Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week we're talking to Karen Stanton. She's the Vice Chancellor of Solent University. It's right down on the South Coast in Southampton. And it's a place that I know Karen has some real aspirations for in terms of its role in levelling up through education, but also more widely in the, in the city of Southampton. So we'll get into that um, shortly through, through this podcast discussion. Welcome, Karen. Thanks so much for doing the podcast. Tell us a little bit about Solent University and the sorts of courses you have and, and the sorts of students that you're, you're educating. Morning, Justine. Thank you very much for inviting me to be with you this morning for this podcast. Um, so, yes, yeah, Solent University, as you said, Justine, is based in Southampton on, on the south coast. It's a university with a, a, a tradition, really, of focusing on technical education, the maritime sector, uh, and also pr professional roles and really training and educating our students in, a in terms of real world education and making sure that they have the skill set that's required really to go on to the next chapter in their life, whether that's into a, into a job or setting up their own business or going on to do some further, further education and study. Um, as a university, we've got over 11,000 students. We've got 1,000 staff operating uh, within the university. And we're based right in the heart of Southampton, which is, uh, gives us a fantastic opportunity, really, to engage with our community, be part of that community, and, and really ensure that the contribution that we make has a, has a real impact, you know, that, that delivers social benefit to, to the community that we operate in. And I think it's just really important uh, for this university. The staff here are really motivated by that, that, that opportunity to be part of that community, but also um, that our student body really reflects that community as well. You know, we draw students really from the city and from the region, although we have, you know, a, an international component as well. We are very much a, a regionally locally based university. Um, and we draw students from all sorts of backgrounds. So very much our student makeup is made up of students who come from all sorts of different walks of life. And we really, really value and aspire to ensuring that we give students within this community the opportunity to experience education, whether that be higher education or whether it be a degree apprenticeship or whether it be you know, specific study, um, which helps them develop the next stage in terms of their career. So we're really passionate here at this university about making sure that everybody's got an opportunity to engage in higher education and can really benefit from the transformative power, I think, that um, universities are able to, to deliver. And you also, um, I mean, obviously your role regionally is hugely important. In terms of the students that you're serving, presumably there's a significant number who aren't almost the conventional student that people might think of, you know, the 18 year old, they've just done their A-levels. I guess your student body is far wider than that. And often it's people coming back into education, maybe trying to take a fresh direction in their career. Yes, it, it really is. Um, and we do have a, a significant 
proportion of our students are in the age group beyond sort of the 18 to 21 year old, which would traditionally be seen as the undergraduate population. Um, and in addition to that, as you say, a lot of students studying with us on a part-time basis, a lot of students coming to us for, you know, specific courses and programs, which are intended really just to enhance their skill set, uh, particularly in the maritime sector where we run a huge range of CPD uh, training courses, uh, which enable um, individuals who are already in, in the maritime profession really to benefit from further education and training really to support their their career development. So yes, you're right, we do have a really broad uh, group of, of students who, you know, you cannot really categorize as just students who are in a particular age group studying a particular qualification. It's a real mashup here um, it, it, in terms of that body and, the, and the, the programs of study that they're actually undertaking. Which is really good. And I think certainly when I was 18, I, I don't think I'd quite appreciated how much you can learn from people who have a lot more experience than you and you know to be able to be sat doing a tutorial or, or part of a class that is much more diverse with with people who've actually been in the workplace and and really sort of understood what it takes to succeed you know the kind of sector that your course might be more focused on I think that really enhances a student experience and presumably that's, that's part of what you're also trying to do at Solent is make sure that that wider student body is really better because of all of that diversity. Absolutely, but it also reflects, I think, um, our, our academic community. A large proportion of our academic community are drawn from uh, a professional industry, public sector background. They haven't necessarily taken the traditional route to becoming an academic. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would say the majority of our academics have, have come in from outside of the academy. Um, and of course, that brings with it, you know, a huge amount of experience, as you're saying, and, and a huge amount of kind of knowledge about um, what it means to be in business or what it means to go into the, um, the public or indeed or indeed the voluntary or social enterprise uh, sector. And that's why, you know, at the heart of what we deliver within our curriculum, we, we talk about the real world, real world experience, because we know that our academic community have got that and they bring that into the classroom here at Solent. Um, it's one of the things I think that this institution really stands out for and it, it's it's quite distinctive and it is quite unusual um and it's getting that balance right really between mm. uh, you know the, the the kind of the research and teaching missions of a university both of those things are important but i think at Solent we also have this extra dimension where we're bringing in you know individuals who've got that real world real life experience if you like into the curriculum and into their teaching and I guess it's that approach that is one of the reasons why Solent's the third best university in the country for entrepreneurship. Um, it's really having that lens on success in a wider world. Tell us a little bit about what the university does in relation to entrepreneurship, how you go about teaching it. You know, obviously lots of people want to start a business, but I guess what you're also doing is really helping them take those ideas and then, and then put them into reality. Absolutely. And, and yeah, we're really proud of that statistic, actually, to be third in the country uh, for students, graduates setting up their own business. 
um, over 165 businesses set up by our graduates in the year 1920. Wow. So we we have a you know we have a, a a range of sort of opportunities in place really from providing um, workshops, one-to-one -one business advice sessions, support for developing business plans, through to providing seed funding. Uh, for individual enterprises and graduates can apply for up to three years after leaving the university as well for that funding. We've got an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in residence, uh, Muji Brahim, who is an angel investor in the southeast, mm -hmm. and he provides a huge amount of mentoring and support for students who want to get into setting up business or scale up their business. And we've also got something called Solent Creatives, actually, which is an agency uh which we run but actually this the students um develop a, a kind of freelance career through that agency so mm -hmm. it very much focuses on students who are doing web design or illustration or media or tv production and they the agency takes the briefs and then mm -hmm. we hand those briefs on to students and they have to learn how to be a freelancer you know, so it's not only the the kind of exciting, the creative bit, but they have to learn all about tax and liabilities and VAT. Yeah. Um, and it's a really great um, example, I think, of, you know, how we're genuinely connecting our students um, into the world of work and really sticking to, you know, what we've got in our mission statement, which is about being work ready when, when they leave the university. And I suppose also in... In doing all of that, then seeding out those initial SMEs and businesses into a wider region and in turn creating more opportunities yeah. for people through that creativity that you're allowing to almost crystallize into a business idea that someone can take forward. Uh, absolutely. And um, it, it's, it's interesting, Ray, because it, it, as, a, as a sort of service, and all of the points of contact that we we have, you know, for our students and for our graduates in this space, it continues to account for really almost 40% of those seeking support from Solent, you know, af after they've graduated. But what that then does, it means we've got an alumni community then who've, you know, got that experience, they've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you know, they're working through what that means for them. Uh, and as you say, that experience, we can then feed that back into our into our student community. You know, our students, to be honest, you know, whilst they love to hear from their lecturers and their academics, actually, they really love to hear from um, our graduates and from those that have been out in the workplace. Um, and I guess if they're feeding in their projects potentially to the agency, then there's actually quite a a beneficial ecosystem almost yeah, of ideas yeah. and, and projects that's that's being enabled by all of this work that Solent's doing. Yeah, and it's got a great reputation as well. And that that just continues to grow within the business community, um, you know, locally. And as we kind of built that trust around, you know, the capability of our students, what they're able to bring as well when they, they take on these uh, freelance projects and briefs. Um, you know, that just really, as you say, then adds back into the community, actually, um, a really, a really sort of positive buzz about, you know, what Solent is actually doing to, to support innovation and growth and enterprise more generally out there in, in that business community and with, with the businesses as well.
And it's quite interesting because obviously the um, Office for Students, you know, has an awful lot of data and monitors a lot of things, but including graduate earnings, but ironically, probably one of the things it's not really looking at so carefully is how many businesses are being set up by graduates where perhaps in those initial years, they may earn very, very little because they'll be leaving all the money that's being earned in the business to develop it. But actually, you know, they may well have begun something that will go on to be highly, highly successful and not only financially beneficial for that particular graduate, but, you know, creating lots of jobs for a wide range of other people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it is one of the things that worries me about, you know, that, that sort of very metric based approach, which is all around, you know, salaries and earnings. And I think, um, you know, particularly for, you know, these students who are undertaking creative careers or setting up their own business, you know, they might also have a part time job on the side, you know, they, that they might be doing lots of, lots of things really, which contributes, if you like, to their, to their working week which is not easy to capture in sort of one metric, which essentially is about what, what salary are you earning? And, um, you know, I think that the journeys are, are very different. And unfortunately, at the moment, as you say, that's just not quite being captured, I think, um, in some of the outputs that are, that are being measured around, you know, the experience and the success of, of our graduates and what the universities are actually delivering not only for the graduates but also for the community as well. I've got one other question on on this entrepreneurship and then I, I want to move on to the maritime piece but we talked about how you are supporting effectively the, the regional economy through helping to stimulate and create these new businesses that graduates are setting up. Is there a part of what the university does in its work on entrepreneurship that also ensures it's playing a role in supporting the existing SMEs, the existing other businesses that are already there too? Do they access that expertise themselves? Yeah, um, and again, it's something that we're really proud of. So we have the Solent Business School, which has been awarded the Small Business Charter Mark, one of only 20 universities in the UK to have that charter mark. And during the pandemic, as an example, we ran a small business leadership program, which had over 140 businesses participating on it. And that was that was very much around, well, you know, how can businesses kind of shift, if you like, um, into the digital space? How can they, you know, develop a business plan, which might look very different to the business plan that they had before going into the pandemic? And I have to say the feedback that we've had from those 140 businesses, some of which, you know, are very small, you know, there could be an enterprise of just five, five individuals working in a business environment. The, the feedback has been outstanding. And I'm really pleased to say that that has led on now to us being successful and gaining government funding to develop the help to grow uh, mm -hmm. scheme, which is being funded by government, but again, only being delivered by a very small number of universities up and down the country and I think that speaks to the credentials if you like of Solon of being able to really understand uh, business needs and really engage in a very proactive but also you know a, a really outcomes based way in many ways um, with that you know with the regional economy here and the economy in Southampton and again you know engaging with the chamber on that engaging with the local enterprise partnership on that um, I think that will only grow really in terms of 
our ability, our opportunity and our kind of reputation um, in this really important space as we go through, you know, hopefully a positive economic recovery in Southampton in the region following the pandemic. I think it's excellent. And I, and I think one of the things that comes across really clearly is that, it, you know, wherever you are actually in the country, if you are someone that wants to become an entrepreneur, maybe already has some initial ideas about the sort of things you'd like to focus on, then actually coming to Solon is mm. probably the perfect step mm. for you to kind of take those that energy and the ideas and actually give yourself a chance to genuinely put them into practice. And of course, in a beautiful part of the country, in a great city to do. So Karen, the other area I really wanted to to dig into is is the maritime Mm. courses that you do at Solon, because obviously it's whole heritage uh, as a city, Southampton is is around the port, and it's still a, a hugely important part of of the local economy today. Tell us a little bit about that side of what the university does, and and maybe how that's changing. I guess post Brexit, there's the free port idea that that's been approved for Southampton. How does the university, if you like, plug into all of that economy, the skills, and and how that might change over time? So I, th- I I think this is a really um, exciting space for us to be in um, with a number of changes that are coming uh, down the track. I think you've mentioned the free port, uh, but I think there's a huge amount. And I'll probably come back to this around uh, the work that's being done to develop autonomous shipping and also, you know, the, the real need, I think, to address carbon emissions from from the shipping industry as well, which we're mm-hmm. heavily involved in in terms of our, our, our research. But I think, you know, 70 years worth of, of tradition of offering uh, maritime education as an institution, uh, that ranges uh, from providing the whole career structure for a cadet uh, that would mm-hmm. enter into merchant or commercial uh, shipping profession, through to providing um, real CPD uh, for, you know, individuals who are already potentially relatively, you know, in relatively senior roles. So for example, captains and pilots on, you know, how to handle ships. We've got fabulous facilities. We've got a whole range of simulation suites. We've Mm -hmm. invested over 40 million pounds worth in those suites and in the facilities that we've got. So they are world-class facilities. And those simulation suites, you know, really do simulate what it's like to be uh, steering a ship, to be um, steering a ship into any port within the world. You know, last time I went into the simulation suites, we were looking at how to how to get into New York and then how to get into the Straits of Singapore. And I can honestly tell you that you spend about five minutes in there and you start to feel slightly queasy. <laughs> Um, so we've got amazing facilities. We've got a long tradition of doing it. We obviously have huge connections with all of the professional bodies. We work very closely with the Maritime Training Board that sets out the education for uh, cadets and for seafarers more generally. And how that links to the city, it's you know really important. Southampton, second largest container port within uh, the UK. Um, First, in terms of the cruise industry, obviously hugely badly affected by the pandemic, but I think all the predictions are that that's going to come back and and going to come back and grow, I think, for Southampton. So 
it's a major part of, of, of this city. And so to be um, closely linked with that and, and closely um, linked with developing the skills and the pipeline that really will shape that industry uh, and that sector going forward is, is really exciting for us. So I mentioned, for example, autonomous shipping, you know, through our simulation suites, we're now using AI, we're using algorithms mm -hmm. to, to really train our, our, our students, our cadets on how they will really manage autonomous vehicles alongside obviously um, vehicles that still operated by, by, by crews. Uh, we, we've created a, a kind of massive virtual sea by linking 13 simulation suites uh, across Europe, which wow. then enables our students again to, to sort of use AI to see how um, port traffic management uh, will work mm -hmm. with autonomous shipping going forward. And we've actually linked multiple sites uh, again through using um, AI algorithms. So we can now control from our simulation suite um, a site that we have out in um, the Test Valley in Hampshire, which actually has our, our model ships. So we can control the model ships that are operating on a lake out in the mm -hmm. Test Valley from, uh, from our simulation suite in, in Southampton. So I mean, it's, a, it's absolutely incredible and, and very real in terms of the challenge. And I think you only have to look at what happened in the Suez Canal, where a very yeah, basic absolutely. thing was that a container ship got stuck. And you know, that was down to a crew being, for various reasons, unable to kind of mm. steer it through, as almost always happens. But I think we all saw just how important an impact that ultimately had um, in terms of supply chain. So hugely important. And as you say, in terms of meeting some of our climate targets, absolutely crucial to really understand how fast and to what extent you can steadily decarbonize that entire sector well it's uh, i mean absolutely to that to that point about um evergreen stuck in the suez canal um 80 of the world's trade it's an enormous figure it, it is done via shipping uh, and i think in terms of you know how that will change uh, going forward you know, that's a that's a major piece of work that we're engaged in in the university from a research perspective. The global carbon emissions is a is a real issue. It, it, it totals three percent, and this is the this is the statistic. So, if shipping was a country, it would be sixth in the league table in terms of its its uh, carbon emissions. Mm. So, there is a real um, you know uh, kind of clear and present focus on, on what this industry can do. And you only have to be in Southampton, you know, you see these cruise ships come in and they're kind of pumping out, you know, these greenhouse gases um, and, and they can't switch off their engines when they're in port. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have to keep the engines going because of all the facilities that they're running on board ship. It's a major issue. So we are working really closely with uh, a number of businesses, a number of companies um, to look to to look at this issue, and you know, one of the interesting things that um, it really brought it home to me actually when we were talking about autonomous shipping and is that wind power, is that nuclear power on ships uh, rather than uh, carbon dioxide? And and one of one of the points that one of my um, academics said to me, Karen, the thing is, you're just going to have to accept that perhaps you know your prime delivery, which would be delivered 
the next day is going to take four days or it's going to take mm -hmm. five days. Mm -hmm. And we've got to make that choice if we're going to move over to a different form of power, uh, which is essentially running um, a huge part of, of, of the global trade. Um, and I think it's, it's it, you know, these are really important choices, I think, that as communities, we, we really need to get a, a handle on and an understanding of, but we've got to make change. And we're really pleased to just be part of those uh, discussions and undertaking research to support some of that thinking. And at a more local level, um, very involved in working um, with variety of leaders across the city in the region on levelling up. Tell us a little bit about the work mm -hmm. through Southampton Connect that we're, we're both involved in um, and how you've really been driving that as a as a as a vice chancellor, but also a university. Yeah, um, well, I have to say we're absolutely delighted to be working with you. Um, as I think the first uh, place-based initiative looking at the whole leveling up agenda. Southampton Connect is uh, a group of leaders across the city of Southampton. It includes the city council, it includes the universities, schools, the colleges, it includes public sector bodies, the NHS, and uh, it also includes crucially the business community as well. So we've got a whole range of, of, of senior leaders across the city involved in that group. Um, and I'm really privileged to have the opportunity to chair that. It's been um, a, you know, an interesting time to join that group and to chair it. We've obviously been very focused on the public health agenda within Southampton, but just coming together really as a group of system-wide leaders within the city to really get a handle on you know some of those really difficult issues and problems that the pandemic uh, presented to communities and cities up and down the country has really brought us together as a group because mm -hmm. we've had to manage in a crisis uh, we've had to make uh, decisions which might impact on different organizations or institutions and we've had to collectively if you like put perhaps our own agendas um, and our own priorities to one side to think about actually, well, you know, what is in the best interest of the city. So it's been it's been a great opportunity for me to get to know leaders and to get to know to know the city. Um, as we come out of the pandemic, hopefully, uh, you know, the city begins to recover from that. It also gives us a really good opportunity as a forum and as a group of leaders to think about what the priorities need to be to get the economic recovery. Um, kick-started to get the city really moving again um, and, and to get the city to really uh, address if you like some of the some of the inequalities which have just been really um, highlighted and, and, and kind of almost worsened really as a result of of what we've just lived through so I think you know getting a getting a handle on that and working with you and your team to really just you know get to the bottom of what the data looks like um, you know, what, what individual institutions or organisations have been doing and then how we can really bring all of that together and really focus on a, a couple of those really key levelling up goals. Um, it's a really exciting agenda, I have to say. And, and as you know, Justine, from talking to that group, there's a huge commitment across the city to do this and, and to really get this right. It, it is really exciting. And one of the reasons... I think we've been able to get so far with it is because of the partnership and the fact that everybody is absolutely on the same page uh, and genuinely impressive 
um, mm. seeing all of you together and and you know talking with the the local authority about about their aspirations. Now, mm. I sort of just wanted to finish off by really, Karen, just getting your sense. You know, you've talked so eloquently about what you're doing at Solon, <clears throat> how that all fits into you know the bigger picture actually, whether it's in Southampton in the region or even you know having that much more international impact through through the maritime work you do I mean clearly you're incredibly driven by education leveling up all of this so just tell us how do you end up as a as a VC I mean we see these people in these roles but I don't think people really necessarily know the path that that you take to get into that position sure and my path was certainly not I guess what you would describe as perhaps um, sort of the natural route in to um, ultimately becoming a vice chancellor. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I'm, um, again, my background is I'm from a working class family. I'm from a town which you might know actually just in called Cleethorpes, which is on the um, east coast in, in Lincolnshire. Um, you know it, yes. Yes, I know a lot of people from South Yorkshire take a take a holiday sometimes in Cleethorpes. And I think, um, you know, my, my kind of start in life was um, was was really quite unusual. You know, I didn't have anybody else in the in the family, certainly who really um, knew what it meant to to go into higher education or to, to go to a university. And I had something that happened to me. I think if you want to really think about a moment where, you know, everything sort of clicked for me. Um, I had a I had an experience at school, which um, is going to sound quite negative, but actually it it it, it turned around to be a real positive. So, uh, the school I was at went to a grammar school. Um, I was kind of streamed into the top stream, and and it was naturally assumed, I think, that that top stream would take the Oxbridge exam and or tootle off to Oxbridge. And 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 actually, uh, what happened was my teacher took me to one side and said, um, actually, do you know what, Karen? you wouldn't fit in and you would find it really difficult and your family would find it really difficult. You haven't got the social capital. So don't take the exam. So that I did terrible. I know I didn't, I didn't take the exam and cause I trusted my teacher and um, all my friends did and off they all went to. to I'm just shocked at that actually genuinely. I that know. is awful but but although it sounds like a negative actually do you know what that that has really shaped that has really shaped me because obviously when I when I was kind of old enough to understand if you like what what had happened to me at the age of 17 I think that really then drove me to to really say you know Karen you you can really make a difference here you know, and certainly on your watch, whatever role you take, you make sure that, you know, opportunities are available to everybody, um, you know, because talent is everywhere and opportunity is not. And, and you know, that's a great example, isn't it? But mm -hmm. look, you know, I've ended up as a vice chancellor. So, um, you know, I think although I had that experience, I then went on to the University of Sheffield as an undergraduate, did a history degree. Mm -hmm. had, that, had that transformative experience. Can I ask which bit of history you were most interested in? I always oh, thought it was fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did American and Canadian, actually, and uh, I'm really focused on um, sort of Prohibition, 1920s America. Mm -hmm. uh, really fascinating period, actually, of American of American history. And again, um, really, really helped shape what, ne 
what came next, I think, mm -hmm. in, in terms of that country's development. So loved it. Um, and then actually didn't go straight into academia, went off. I was a researcher at the BBC in Manchester. I then went into the intelligence service. Mm -hmm. I worked for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, um, got to my 30s and thought, Do you know what, I would like now to you know, to take additional qualifications, did a master's, did it all distance learning. I, you know, did it part-time, carried What was the master's in, Karen? I did, did a master's in education. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then um, got the real bug, I think, you know, going back into education, working with my tutors, really beginning to think about how education, you know, uh, studying at a master's level could could, could really make a difference. You know, the power of education, it, you know, we talk about it all the time as being transformative, uh, but it genuinely is. Um, and then, uh, you know, went into universities. I've been really privileged to work in a whole range of different universities. So I've worked in uh, Russell Group universities who really operated internationally. I've worked in Scotland, I've worked for smaller institutions and, you know, those kinds of universities who are perhaps described as more modern universities. So I've had a whole uh, range of experience, but I think I've really tried to take roles and in the roles that I've taken, um, you know, to really focus on social mobility and make sure whichever institution I'm working in, you know, really develops a, a very strong, I think, commitment to that. And mo most latterly in my career have really um, chosen universities that I know already have a, a fantastic track record in, in that space and you know part of the reason why I came to Solent is exactly that. Because mm. you knew that leading you'd be leading something that absolutely felt as strongly yeah. as you did as an organisation yeah. about going in that direction I guess. Absolutely absolutely and it's just really important to me um, you know one of the things I, I feel a huge responsibility as a vice chancellor it must be I, a big step up Karen from it, it, it you is. know doing doing that that kind of senior role at university but ultimately then to, to be the vice chancellor that that's at a different level isn't it it is and I, and I tell you where I, I, I kind of feel this most is you know when I see um, students who come to this institution come to an open day and they don't just bring their parents with them they'll probably bring their grandparents with them or they'll bring their carers with them mm -hmm. um, and you can see in the audience you know real kind of almost fear on some of the faces in that audience and I you know I, what I say to that audience is look you know we'd love to have you here you know you've absolutely got the ability to come here but you know if this isn't right for you then you know there are other opportunities out there for you as well so you might want to think about a degree apprenticeship or you might want to think about you going into work and then studying later I think it's really important that you know as, as an institution as a university as a as a vice chancellor we're as I say we're setting out those opportunities um, and really making sure that um, you know they that, individual students they make the right choice really but it's that intergenerational decision that coming to a university like Solent it's such a big step and so you know that that for me is such a massive responsibility because you know those students are coming to us on an undergraduate program for three years we've got to make sure that those students get the right skills they have a great experience and we do everything we possibly can to ensure that they succeed in, into the future. 
which is which is what it's all about. And, and I mean, finally, then, if you so if you I mean, so I think, first of all, what comes across to this across from what you've just said, Karen, is, you know, it isn't necessarily all about knowing that exact career path when you turn up at university. I certainly really had, I don't think I've really had any ideas about what I necessarily wanted to do longer term. I knew I wanted to do something in business, but it's pretty normal, isn't it? And I think then also, you know, you, you, you kind of develop your ideas about what you wanted to do as you got into your career. And that is a very normal thing. But what it shows is that even if you set off in a particular direction, actually you can continue to evolve can't you that yes. career that you have throughout throughout time yes and and as you say um you know you shouldn't really shouldn't worry that you don't have it all sewn up in your head when you're 17 because you know that would be quite remarkable to be honest with you if if you did i know some people have a real passion from an early age for a particular for a particular profession you know or for a particular path in life and that's fantastic but lots of people don't and you know take your time you know take the opportunities that come to you um I've always done that that's one of the things that has really characterized my career is I've, I've taken opportunity I think probably you know following what what happened to me at school I just said no I'm going to do it I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to have I'm going to go for that even if I didn't have a huge amount of confidence around necessarily my ability to do it but you know you work with great people you learn from other people you work as part of a team you develop your skills uh, and you develop your confidence and you also then develop a real I think clear sight of what it is that's important to you because at the end of the day you know working your professional career is a big part of your life and you want to do something that ultimately motivates you and you really feel as if you're making a difference. Well you certainly are and it's fantastic working with you on the levelling up goals and, and both at Solent University but also as part of the, the work across the city of Southampton, um, one I also know obviously as, as a student there myself. So Karen Stanton, Vice Chancellor of Solent University, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for all of that work you're doing, but also talking to us today about it. Thank you. Thank you, Justine.